Live from Salt Lake City, this is Heart of the Matter, where we do all we can to worship God in spirit and in truth. I'm Sean McCraney, your host. Join with me in a word of prayer, if you would. Lord, we praise you and thank you for life and, uh, and for your only begotten son, uh, your, your human son that uh, redeemed us and gave his life for us. And we pray that he will be glorified uh, through the words that are spoken with our guest, Jason, tonight. And uh, just help everybody who's involved, people who are watching, people who are supporting, volunteers, uh, wherever they may be, and help our audience right now in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Uh, wrapping up 11 years of Heart of the Matter on October 31st, we're going to launch a new set of programs. Heart of the Matter 2 is going to continue on, and we're going to take a different slant, a different approach. You'll hear all about that on uh, Halloween, October 31st. If you're not doing anything, don't have grandkids or little kids, or you can skip handing out candy, come join us. Uh, here for Food Fun Fellowship. Watch the programs. First runs that night. We're going to be doing two. They're going to be shorter. And uh, that's 7 to 9 p.m. Join us right here at the campus uh, church studios. Until that time, we've been gathering some just outstanding interviews with people who, uh, very diverse group of individuals, uh, people who have been Mormon, people who are former LDS, people who have never been LDS. Last week we had Mark Bazant, never LDS. And yet everyone's bringing some really interesting, unique perspectives uh, to faith and to the Christian walk. These interviews have included uh, break, uh, Blake Blankenagel, uh, Larry Norris, Joey Scoma, Rock Waterman, Earl Erskine, Warren and Suzanne Puckett, Richard Dutcher, Dave Bartosowitz, Delaney McCraney, uh, Rick and Carrie Walquist, Mark Bazant, and our esteemed guest tonight, uh, Jason Rapich, and we'll be talking to Jason, and I'll introduce Jason in a minute. Coming up in the weeks to come, we are going to add to the archives, and they'll either be live or archive shows, uh, Steve Utley, Mallory McCraney, uh, Dr. Claire Peterson, New Name Noah, Mike Norton, uh, Diana Matthew, Cassidy McCraney, Danny Larson, Jimmy Mendez, all the way out from Brooklyn, uh, New York, my wife Mary, and even my uh, mom and dad. We're going down to Southern California at the end, this, end of this week, and we're going to uh, videotape them being interviewed about the faith. This is groundbreaking for, for me. We're even going to have an incognito guest who's going to come out here with a bag over his head and a voice change uh, thing who works for the LDS Church, and he's going to be talking to us as well. So stay tuned. It's getting exciting, and tonight is no exception. One last thing. There's a couple of you who, over the course of our popular years, when we were on television here in the state, took advantage of uh, our popularity, and we promoted you and your ministries, and we, have, uh, we uh, participated with you because it would help you, and you have conveniently not returned our calls to be on the show. So just understand, I, under, I know who you are, you know who you are, and you know exactly where you stand. And uh, I'm just not pulling punches here. And, and so it's really interesting what happens, you know, when someone's not at the high end, you just, you don't give them the attention that uh, you would if they were at the top of the heap, right? So I just want to uh, not thank you for uh, not participating. Anyway, here at campus, in a much more positive note, we have the good fortune of having people come in and they just sort of start telling us that they have been LDS, something's happened in their life, and we, as a kind of a loose-knit community, start to make friends. And we start to learn about people's lives and stories, and this is one that i uh, very excited with Jason because uh, his perspective, he's a very cerebral man, he's intelligent, he's kind and soft-spoken, but he has some keen insights into having been LDS and the benefits and then, and then the detriments maybe, and then also what it's been like to come out and the things that he and his beautiful wife and family, three children, have faced. So without further ado, Brother Jason Rapich, welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. Give us, go back, give us the thumbnail of Jason's life, upbringing, where, mom, dad, siblings, mission. Okay. <laughs> so simple. In three seconds. <laughs> um, grew up here, state of Utah. 
I uh, grew up in a very small town, Green River, Utah, uh, all through high school years, uh, for as long as I can remember. My mom and dad moved there when I was not even two years old yet. Uh, mom was, uh, my mom and dad were, were incredible the entire time I grew up. Um, I grew up in a house that you, you could talk to your parents about anything, hmm. and at least I felt that way. And Things were very, things were very encouraged uh, to uh, to explore on our own. Um, I had a mom that I could talk to about spiritual things, uh, and we would quite often talk about things that I felt went beyond the typical discussions uh, in my in my in my LDS classes in primary. I had a dad who was very per his. His relationship with God was very personal, mm. but I knew it was strong all the whole time growing up, and he emulated that. Um, uh, the, the circumstances I grew up in, I, I don't know for sure or not, but I, I felt like the community was almost half LDS, half not. Mm. A lot of different influences there growing up, um, but it didn't, for me growing up, it didn't really matter much. It, um, didn't have any backlash or anything like that in that community from my experience. Mm -hmm. um, always always really enjoyed uh, being part of the LDS church where I grew up. My whole family was very much a part of, of the ward. Um, my dad wasn't near as active as my mom. My, my dad was a, was, a, was a highway patrolman. Quite often he, he he worked on weekends or holidays, and um, so there, there was that element of, I had a father figure who was very devote to us and very devote to the principles that we were taught, but he had to, he had to live outside of the, the typical fulfill all your callings in the LDS church, uh, do that example, and it nev but it never had any, any negative effect on me and his, his standing. Hmm. Um, Sounds like a good man. Uh, I, I hope to be able to emulate him continually. Wow. Uh, he's, he's my best friend. Mm. Uh, my brother, I have an older brother and younger sister. All of us stayed fairly close. My brother was always, and all, will continue to be someone I look up to. Uh, he's always been a, a, a figure for me. Um, everything was very supportive in, in, that, in that environment. Um, I got through high school uh, on my own accord. I decided I wanted to, to go on an LDS mission. Uh, my, I was the only one in my family to do so. My, my brother went into the military and afterwards pursued law enforcement. Uh, my sister, she, uh, she never really had, an, I don't think she had an inclination to, to serve a mission um, of her own accord. Um, I, s I ended up uh, serving in the Philippines, which made a very interesting uh, circumstance. I was very basic and very simplistic in my, in my view of the LDS gospel. It w everything, was, everything was about the family. To me, the gospel was about helping your family become stronger. Mm. Uh, that's what it meant to me in my life. That's what my parents portrayed it to be. Mm. And so when I was in the mission field, I. I would demonstrate that in that I was always interested and I, I wanted to see families learn about this. I, I wanted to see them have a similar experience to what I grew up with, with my family. And I, I you know, during my mission, it, it was more of me wanting to share what my family experienced mm. uh, growing up. Um, it was hard. I, I got very sick in the mission field. Mm. Um, I had one of those missions where I was in and out of the hospital, and uh, I think my parents were right on the verge of uh, flying over there and dragging me back home mm -hmm. because of some of the things we went through. Um, Try to make it a short story. Came home and immediately started pursuing things, uh, pursuing things in a college career. Um, started getting involved in a what I could in, in college wards and it never really fit. Mm. I, I did not fit into that mentality. I got outside of the mission field and 
I, I didn't enjoy, uh, I want to say, the rigidness or, or the strict nature of how it wanted to continue in my life. I felt the pressure in LDS wards to, to uh, continue this status or this continue evolving your position inside the LDS church. And I had other things on my mind that were, that were more important to me. Uh, intense program at the University of Utah. And uh, that, was, that was my core. My, my parents had always supported uh, hard work and in some ways making that, and making that a priority, sometimes even above uh, church callings. I, I don't think it was uh, meant to do that by, uh, by them, but kind of worked out for me that way. Mm -hmm. Um, probably my halfway through college is when I, uh, when I got to know Rachel, who became the, the love of my life, and uh, started dating. And uh, it was interesting, the interactions, I, I think that was some of the other things in my life, of course, but that proved to be some of the genesis of me figuring out that my point of view was not the same. As, as what you might typically find in the LDS culture. Um, Rachel was a little disturbed that I was very comfortable with my coffee drinking, even at that point in, in, in my life. And somehow, I, I don't remember exactly why, but certain subjects started coming up that we would talk about. And, um, the, the outlying subjects that everybody's not comfortable with and I had dealt with earlier in my life. <clears throat> it wasn't until late in my life that I started finding out about things like polygamy and uh, different things about how the gospel really historically came about that I was never taught in younger years. And they, they started becoming a real thorn in my side, um, especially the, to the topic of polygamy. Um, there was one point where I don't remember how it came up, but it became a discussion item between me and Rachel. And I really set her back one night when she asked me my viewpoint on polygamy, and I says, I can't accept it. I, I, I realize now that it's, that it's been taught as part of this intertwined fabric of the eternal gospel. I can't accept it. And I says, God could come, I literally said this to Rachel, that God could come down and command me to my face that he wants me to live polygamy, and I'll, I'll tell him no. Um, that I, I can't do that. Um, and that really astonished her. I, I, didn't, I, thought, I thought everybody would have that viewpoint. I, I didn't think that was an, or, that was an odd thing to, to view. And she... I gotta interrupt, I'm sorry. It, 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 this is a good man. He's, he and I have talked about his love for Rachel and, and the marriage. And so this guy isn't like questioning the Mormon church because he's a bad guy. I mean, listen to his heart about how, I mean, the only reason I liked Mormonism was the polygamy aspect. <laughs> so you're seeing like, even though he decided to dress like me tonight, I'm just kidding. Uh, we are so opposite, like in the moral uh, view of life, we're looking at a good guy. This, I mean, you can hope you can tell that. I'm sorry, I had to, I had to inter introduce that. So you're keep fine. going. You're fine. And so, yeah, it, it just, Rachel then rehearsed to me that you're the first person that has ever uh, demonstrated that viewpoint to me. And I'm just like, where are you from? Um, but she started describing to me everywhere she's lived and uh, the friends, and I, I won't go into more detail about where, who portrayed all that viewpoint, but it was totally foreign to her. And I, I started digging into it a little bit at that point in my life. And, kind of put it aside, I started building up a system or a series of ideas or problems or difficulties that I was having, I'd put them on a shelf. And I started kind of developing a collection. Me, me and Rachel got married uh, in the Manti Temple. It was a very special uh, location for her. It was, uh, she held it very dear in her heart. She made me propose to her three times. Um, <laughs> she, uh, she was very persistent on the proper way to do it. Wow. She, <laughs> you proposed in your sleep. <laughs> They're just we're, having a, a we're, marital this, conversation this here. On <laughs> we, we got a very open relationship. Yes, 
Um, so, and it was very meaningful to both of us. Both of us held our viewpoint of our temple marriage with extreme high regard. Mm. It, it demonstrated everything to us. Am I? No, that's me. It demonstrated everything to me in my life that my mom and dad had demonstrated to me of how important the family is and how you you support your family no matter what trials they're going through. You, you support them through it. The temple was just something that sealed that together for me mm -hmm. and gave me a lot of comfort uh, even as I entered into uh, Rachel and my uh, marriage. Um, trying to summarize as best I can, uh, graduated school, entered into uh, my career, and I was very quickly the type that I would pull the 50-hour, the 60-hour weeks, whatever my boss at work needed. And I found more comfort in doing that than holding church responsibilities on mm -hmm. Sundays. Mm -hmm. And it meant, it started meaning more to me, and I started having harder and harder times with conforming to an expectation uh, for what I was experiencing inside the LDS church. I just, I didn't want, I couldn't handle that level of conformity for me personally in how I needed to conduct my life. I could already tell that I had different ideas in my mind of how I wanted my life to go. But I still, I still conformed as much as, as I thought I needed to, as much as Rachel really wanted me to. And I really didn't have any doubting circumstances happen that would cause me to question my stance with the, with the LDS church until about uh, uh, six years ago. Um, hard times in your life can... Uh, and do change your perspective on things. They change life. And it's not until those times happen that you can really reevaluate things. Or at least, I like to sometimes say, have a different pair of glasses on to where you see things differently. Rachel and I went through um, some real hard things uh, with medical conditions and things that really made a struggle that I under, there's people that have harder times than me or have a lot harder things happen in their life than I do, but this was something that you don't normally interact with. And in order for us to survive that, it changed how our life could be from that point on. There were things that we had to do to not only physically take care of ourselves, but mentally take care of ourselves as well. Both Rachel and I have been taught our entire lives that when hard times hit, that's when the LDS gospel is going to pull you through. But that's when. But that's when uh, you're going to experience that faith building, that testimony building, that uh, whatever it is that's really going to make it solid for you. It did the opposite. Uh, and that's, that's really painful for me to say because it meant a lot to me in my life. And I, I still to this day think it meant more to me because of what it was to my family unit. To my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, my extended, everything. But it, it started becoming a source of problems for me and Rachel. And that's hard to describe to people. And I, I have no qualms with, uh, with LDS people that might think, boy, what, what were you doing wrong? Or what, what was going wrong in your life? I understand that perspective, but I, I'm here to tell you that there's, there's pain that happens in life that changes what truth is for you. And that's what happened to me and Rachel. Mm. Um, we were in a circumstance where our faith was being tried in ways. Rachel would ask me to start helping her reestablish what is true. 
help her reestablish what God is. Help her. Because these trials had, they just didn't make sense to us. Naturally, I, I would start resolving things and I would turn to, I'd turn to the Book of Mormon. I'd, very little did I turn to the Bible just because growing up, I never learned what the Bible really was scripturally. But as I started turning into these things, and I, of course, were in the internet phase of life, and I started searching and uh, finding what I can to help with some of these problems. And I was actually very good at staying, with, staying within the boundaries of a church literature, church um, uh, publicized information. And that's where I found the most painful and the most convincing things that something was really wrong for me. It started building up that there was too much way different than what I had experienced growing up that, that was at the core of what the LDS church uses for its doctrine. And I couldn't abide by that anymore in my life. And I, I feel bad about this, Sean, because I feel like this is difficult in this interview because you and I have talked and you know what some of these things are and you understand why I, I'm limited on, on how much I will go into some of that. Um, but like I said, it's because of that different lens that I now had on what was true in life that it, some, uh, too much could not be tolerated anymore. Some of the things that, that hit me the hardest was, and as I said, I was, I was looking at LDS church resources, uh, hand, handwritten documentation uh, from Joseph Smith himself on what the first vision was. It's not what I was taught. Uh, polygamy is not what I was taught before. I didn't know about polygamy really until I was late teens, practically on my mission. It's not what I was taught. I, I didn't interact with that in the small community I grew up in. Um, the changes that are so prevalent that you don't learn about that are right in front of your face. One of the most impactful things I watched on the internet was Earl Erskine's 17 Minutes. Because he started that out, it was at the time that uh, Gordon B. Hinckley had asked that all church members reread the Book of Mormon intently and promise something to come from that. And Earl had done that, but he did it with the, the original version. And the things that came out that were listed in that original version just blindsided me. And they made too much sense to me. All through, when I was on my mission, it didn't make sense to me when I started reading the Trinitarian view in little bits and pieces here and there. And I didn't ever make sense to me why that was there. And Earl Erskine's uh, description of that made it perfectly clear why it was there. Um, of course, it didn't take long for me to start uh, reading about things with the Pearl of Great Price and those types of things. Didn't take long for me to stumble across you. And I thought, my first impression of you, uh, what an audacious, uh, doesn't know what he's talking about type individual. What are you doing causing this type of disruption? <laughs> and uh, it didn't take long for too many things to start making sense to me. Little did I know that at the same time my wife was going through her own path on this. And it was, it was probably the middle of 2013 that one night I finally, I finally watched and read a couple of things that solidified it. I came to a conclusion that I knew I could not turn away from. And my instant reaction to that was, uh, my God, what have I just done? Hmm. I knew I had just come across a conclusion in my mind that I could not undo. Hmm. And I knew that I wasn't going to be the same person after that point. The next day, it, it, was, it was probably not the next day, a couple months, 
a month or so later, Rachel finally confronted me one night and said, what is going on with you? What, is, what has been happening? And I told her, I says, I can't tell you. I, I can't tell you. I says, it's going to change everything if I go over this with you. She looked at me and said, damn it, I'm your wife. <laughs> you, uh, you're going to tell me, and you're going to tell me tonight. And I started going over it with her. And it, it was hitting her hard. And at the end of what I said, she looked at me and she said, well, do you, do you still accept that the Book of Mormon's true? And I couldn't answer her. And I, I, I couldn't say the words to her. Little did I know that at the same time she had been doing her own reading and conclusions. She had read uh, Mormon Enigma. She had read Emma. Mm. And so too much of what I was saying was resonate, resonating too much with her. And uh, it very quickly turned into a scenario where both of us were like, what are we going to do? And at, at that time, we just continued in that path as much as we could possibly do. We would keep going to the LDS church because at that point we thought, well, this, this is what we know. This is the only security we have. We want our kids to at least have what we had growing up. And it wasn't until that uh, my oldest daughter started having trouble of her own that she would come home and would just be disturbed and, and, and crying because she was having things forced upon her to do that she didn't want to do that was too personal for her. She says, that's between me and God. And I couldn't believe this was coming out of my 10 or 11-year-old daughter, mm. that, that I don't want to share those things. And, I'm, and that's when me and Rachel were just like, we, we've, got to, we've got to go forward with this. We've, there's got to be a different way. And that started our whole investigation into a more traditional approach to uh, Christianity. At this point, and while uh, Jason's story is, uh, is heartfelt, and most people who have been there, we resonate to it readily, and we could go on and on, and because he has so many insights to that, what he's going to share now is really important, and, and his views are very important to consider, because he's seen this from having been in, now you're, now you're going out with your wife and your kids, and you're like, all right, what's out here in the, in the realm of religion? Tell us about that experience and what you learned. First of all, it was, it was difficult at first. We didn't have a clue on where to look, where we wanted to be. We just started on the internet uh, exploring options. And uh, our very first, there in West Jordan, right? That was the first church. The very first experience we had was actually an incredible one. Praise God. It, it was something that, that we really resonated with quickly. We, we felt a heartfelt intent there. We, we instantly felt we could relate with, with this type of in interaction, this type of environment. And yeah, praise God, it, it was a very good experience for us. And with people who were very eager to, uh, to become our friends and to, and to help us in this transition point that we were in. And we weren't satisfied with just visiting one place, though. We, we instantly wanted to try many others, and we, we went from, uh, we, we, we tried different uh, Catholic churches, we tried different uh, Episcopal, Presbyterian, uh, Baptist. We, we really ran the conglomerate and started becoming very comfortable with one or two different places. What do you think? It was a few months in before we really... I'm asking her questions. I don't think she's... Stop it. She's not here. Okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, really feel, we really were get, very quickly getting to the point where things were comfortable. We, we enjoyed the interactions we have. We, we felt a new freedom in how we felt towards God. We felt a freedom in what our relationship was going to be with Christ. All of a sudden, the, the rules, the guidance, the, the boundaries were taken away. The emphasis was on a relationship, personal relationship. It wasn't on 
um, procedures. It wasn't on the, what am I looking for, for, for temple type ordinances. The rituals, ordinances, rites. the rites, the rituals. That was all set aside and there was no filter anymore for us to look towards God for our inspiration, for, for what we felt, for what we wanted to share with our kids. That was, that was the most liberating thing as far as my relationship of God being, being uh, strengthened. People ask me, so when was the moment? When was the moment that, that you became Christian? That is a real strange question to me because I, I can't tell you an answer. I've always felt cr close to Christ. I've always had a relationship. And my mom is one of the biggest reasons for that. She taught me at a real young age to take things very personally with prayer. She, she encouraged um, a very personal prayer with God and with Christ. My dad taught me how to keep that personal too, that it was okay, that that was something I didn't have to explain to everybody. I, I don't have a point in my life that I can say I was converted to Christ. I. From what I understand, from what I've been taught, Christ, Christ finished it. He, he, he has this grace for us that he has, he has completed. I feel like I've always had that grace there in my life. Mm. I see that grace in, in my family's life. I see the interaction. I see it with so many people I've known. Me and Rachel were actually very quickly getting to the point where we we, we did want to share this type of viewpoint and what we were finding. Um, but there started to become real difficulties with that too. Um, one reason that we've, we found ourselves moving around quite a bit, when you, when you come to a point where you're you're not able to stay with the LDS church anymore and you went through what we went through and so many others that we've talked to here and other places. You just lost your foundation. The night that I came to terms where I was, where I was pleading with God to forgive me for what I had just done to my family, because that's what I had done. I, I didn't know what I was gonna do at that point. I had lost my, my ground, I had lost my I wouldn't say I lost my faith, I just lost my understanding and everything. The pain that that causes you, the, the trauma that that causes you to go through, as soon as you can feel the love of Christ again, you grab onto that. I think I'm just gonna go straight into it, Sean, because okay. I, I don't know how to transition to it. But the difficult part has been that all of a sudden, I'm learning about a God that has limits again. I'm learning about a God that has restrictions on who he allows to have grace. I had just gone through an experience where I had gained a strengthened relationship with God that I, I can't define to people. And I'm learning a freedom in Christ with that and I'm learning that, well, congratulations, you've defined that moment. Now you're gonna learn about everybody who's still going to hell. It's hard enough to come out of the, to make a change from the LDS culture into something that I am now in and to have it described to you that if you're not successful in sharing that with your family, the rest of your family's gonna go to hell. That I have, that I've got grandparents, that I have people that never, that never had what I would define as an opportunity to strengthen a more personal relationship with Christ as it's defined in a traditional Christian sense that those people, that they're lost. If, 
if traditional Christians knew how painful that was or that is for someone coming out of the LDS church to hear and to be taught to, I think they, I think they would be a lot more careful in how they, they teach those things. All of a sudden, I, I, was, I was scared. I wanted to bring my family to have them experience some of the things that I was experiencing. I wanted to have my parents sit with me and meet some of these wonderful people that I was interacting with because I knew they would love them, that they would enjoy interacting with them. I can't bear what my mom and dad might go through if they have to sit and, t and listen to a sermon with me and hear about all the Mormons that are going to hell. And that might, I need to back up for a minute because I know Christians don't, traditional Christians don't mean to be like that. But it comes across that way. And the more I had discussions with different leaders, they, they were truly trying to be as loving to me as they could. And I don't doubt at all their intent to share with me uh, the good news. And more often than not, I would turn to them and say, it's not good news for me anymore. It was good news, but it's not now. I, 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 there was one person in particular that um, really was very adamant about introducing me to the, to the truthful principles of Calvinism. And I looked at him and I said, you're, you're describing something to me that not only am I thinking about my family members, but I'm thinking about so many people that don't have the opportunity to have this happen to them in their lives. And he says, yeah, he says, that, that's, that's there's, there's the people that are chosen, there's the people that, that get embraced with the grace, and there's people that, that don't. Mm. And so now, at the same time that I'm learning about this God that has an undefinable amount of love and grace for everyone, basically, to make it short, created the mass, the better than the half of the population, you know, far more than half the population of the earth that are never going to experience anything but hell after this life. And it might sound like that I'm really nitpicking and that I'm really being kind of judgmental on this. Mm. But from what I've experienced, it's what gets emphasized on a lot. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I have a mother that has, that has a heart that I hope that I can have one of these days. But she has a belief and a love and an activity inside the LDS church that, that is a comfort to her and that brings her happiness and encourages her to extend that happiness to others and especially to her family and gives her an endless amount of energy regardless of what kind of trials we're going through to grab a hold of us and carry us through it. But I do not have the expectation or the demand on her to conform to what my definition now is because I know she has the light of Christ in her. Mm. And more often than not, I, I, have my, I have my LDS friends, I have my LDS family, and the more often, they are people that are doing the best that they can with what they've been given, and they're... I don't know how I can help them come to a better place when it's been so painful for me. Mm. And I wish I didn't say it like that. I have traditional Christian friends, uh, whether they're Baptists, whether they're Presbyterian, Orthodox, non-denominational, that are so dear to me. 
and show me levels of love that that are well I'm just thankful for it and I don't doubt their their intentions or whatnot but something's wrong Sean something's wrong when you look at the raw numbers of what happens and me and Rachel start finding out that we're an anomaly that what is it 50 percent of XLDS people go atheists mm -hmm. I was having a conversation with Sandra Tanner uh, at Lighthouse Ministries one day and my heart just ached what has happened that most of the time when one spouse ends up leaving Mormonism it, it causes divorce or other heartaches that it causes nothing but division for me and Rachel to try to share what we feel is a is a better thing for us with people who are not ready for that yet in their lives mm -hmm. or maybe their lives in our point of view are okay right now mm -hmm. but we're constantly taught that that's that's not acceptable anymore mm -hmm. that that's not that that's not the gospel mm -hmm. is it is it not I'm being told this definition. It was my freedom in thought. It was my freedom in logic. It was my freedom in dealing with what life had hit me with that I had to redefine and that I had to grab onto something and praise God that Christ was there to help me through that because my, my relationship with Christ was strengthened, but it was always there. There's this idea that uh, Jesus uh, has brought the good news, and by God, you better accept it, because it's going to be really bad news if you don't. And so I think what you're looking for, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jason, but you're, you're tending to say, I look to God, I look to Christ as someone who's actually authored and finished the faith for the whole world. And people are going to, we kind of hit on this with Mark Bazant last week, people are going to get there, and it doesn't really matter where they've parked in terms of religion, it's, it's a heart of the matter. It's going to be what's in their heart for God and Christ. Have you come to that pl place where, to you, it's irrelevant now of where someone worships uh, relative to God and Christ? It is. Yeah. I, I have a dad that I discuss everything with. And there's not much about what I've gone through in the last few years that I haven't discussed very personally with him. And he will, he will look at me at the end of what I've done. And he, when, regardless if, you know, put aside the stuff of what the issues are, of what I've had with with the LDS mm -hmm. uh, religion, and why I can't I can't be with that at this point in my life. When it comes to Christ, He will iterate to me that I haven't changed what He views as the true Christ. Mm -hmm. He does nothing but agree with me on our discussions and the value of that personal relationship. Mm -hmm. But I haven't changed anything for Him. He's still the same relationship, the same stance. And why do I need to require more of him mm -hmm. in order to be acceptive towards my standards? Mm -hmm. You don't. You don't. I don't think you do. And I think that's one of the changes you're hoping for to see within the body, that we are going to wake up, we're going to see that the way we have done it it's not that we're changing the truth to accommodate some new need. It's that the old way it has never really, really, truly reached into the hearts of people. And, uh, and I really believe, Jason, that people who have come out of religion in one way or another and into this deeper relationship with Christ are starting to demand that we get rid of some of the rhetoric that really is just it really isn't based in the Bible, from what I've seen. It just does not 
bring people to want to join us. Well, and on that, what, what I learned about the Bible, I have to take a very simplistic approach because the Bible, the Bible was never emphasized to me growing up at LDS. And so everything is very new to me on a more traditional Protestant, traditional, non-denominational, whatever the path is you're on, it's very new to me, everything I learned about the Bible. Um, and when I read the Bible, when I read the book of John, I read things like all men. Christ came for all men. Mm -hmm. That Christ came and he finished it. He did the work. It's done. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that jump out to me and ring true. Um, I'm picking on Calvinism tonight, but it's, it's because it's, it's the part that I have the most difficulty with because it demonstrates a level of conformity, a level of, of legality to the gospel that I cannot coming from where I came from, I can't tolerate that anymore in my life. Yeah. And quite frankly, it takes somebody who has achieved a theologian degree, a graduate degree in theology, to describe how you pull that out of the New Testament. Mm -hmm. For me on my own, reading the New Testament, I can't pull that out of there. Right. Nor, nor am I looking for I guess just because I'm not looking for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I'm looking for is what Christ has really told us. Yeah. And it gets emphasized to me all the time, well, you have this scenario and you got this scenario. And well, give me more than just that. Like, for example, the, we, we get hammered all the time that, well, this is your life. This is, this is the time to make this decision. This is the time you have to accept Christ. If you don't accept it here, it's done. And we always get the, the story of uh, Lazarus and, mm -hmm. uh, and whatnot. Well, is that really the context of what Christ was really pointing at there? No. I, I, I've seen a lot of differences in, in once you take the whole context of what that's describing. Plus, how many times do we actually get a definition of that it's said and done here, at the end of life, it's done. Yeah. Um, may, I'm sure a theologian can school me on anything that I think, but here's where I can't, I can't go there anymore. It was my core belief, it was my logic, it was my digging down in the guts and the heart of, of the trials that I have been through in life that allowed me to embrace a God that has an undefinable amount of love Without, I wouldn't be where I'm at today without the trials I've been through. If I hadn't gone through these trials, I'd probably still be very much an LDS member. Mm. I, I wasn't one of those that was looking to, to make a problem with something. Mm -hmm. I was just going to conform. Mm -hmm. I'm very thankful for where I'm at because my, my, my relationship is nothing but stronger but it's still the same Christ. I mean, I mean, yes, I don't believe I'm going to be a God after mm -hmm. this life. I believe there's only one and true, one, only one true God. Mm -hmm. I, I believe that, that Christ, God the Father, they are, it is God. Mm -hmm. And there's no doubt in my mind of that. But those are things that just resonate harder for me now. Mm -hmm. And I don't care if somebody is of whether I can define if somebody's saved or not. Yeah. Because do we live by the two great commandments in the New Testament or do we not? Right. Because it really shouldn't matter. Mm. And in my experience, I can't share these, I can't help an LDS person come out of something that they're already comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Not to mention, quite frankly, it's painful. Mm. And why I can't impose that level of pain on someone unless they're ready to go through that and they need something strengthened in order to make it through that pain. Great point. One thing you've mentioned that the trials that the Lord has allowed you really to go through that had he not, you would never have come to the place where you are now in your faith. Um, so looking backward at the 
great difficulty, as you and I have had some discussions about some of them, that um, you can see him as a loving God in allowing you to go through some of the things and not a mean-spirited one. You said something to me in one of our discussions. You said, uh, I've learned, oh, what did you say about, uh, do you remember? No, I, I'm you, sorry. You, you said, uh, I've learned that I don't really have the right to ask, uh, to ask God uh, why, or I've, I've just learned to kind of, he's going to do what he does. But can you say, Jason, that from your perspective, you can see that he does bring a, you about to an expected end? I have come to a point where uh, I have a relationship enough to where I know he's going to guide me through to an end result that he, ha he has for me, for us, for everyone. I don't, I, th I, th I think I'm, rem <laughs> I wish I'd have wrote down that conversation. So do I. Was a, that comment was fantastic. Um, I didn't feel like I have the right anymore to judge how God is going to respond. To yeah, to That's respond to said, me. I yeah, I I don't have the right to dictate what that response is going to be. Yeah, but um, yeah, it was that it was profound like that that you learned through everything you've gone through. That that was part of the discussion where I admitted to you that I don't know what this life's about anymore. Yeah. Um, outside of the love that we learn. Um, there's, through the trials I've been through, the thing that continues to, to get strengthened for me in my life is my love for my wife, my love for my family, and that love is strengthened through my relationship with God. Wow. That God gives, for me, God gave me the parents I have because I needed them to get through what I went through and still do. I have a wife that has a medical condition that she needs me to be who I am and God gave me to her because I have an obligation. He gave me the tools to help her. Mm. He gave me the ability to help her with what she has, and he gave me the ability to help her maintain so she can be the mother that she is to my kids. Mm -hmm. And my, my mom and dad, just the way they are, God gave them to me just the way they are, and I couldn't have made it through this point in my life without them being exactly who they are. And who am I to judge mm -hmm. or to change what my parents are right now? because of what I'm viewing as the more correct way, the more proper way. Mm -hmm. When they have done what God wanted them to do for me in order to get me to where I'm at in my life, mm -hmm. I couldn't do it without them, and I couldn't do it without God, and I couldn't do it without God giving them the ability to help me. Wow. Because I, my family, my family is, I, I do not expect uh, members of fam my family to, to follow me outside of their position with the LDS uh, culture. Mm -hmm. Their life doesn't demand it at this point. Mm -hmm. And I guess you could say it makes me confused. You could say that, it, that I'm confused in my early walk as a traditional Christian. Um, but I would say it's still God that has dictated everything mm -hmm. in order to to get me to this point in my life. Mm. And so how can I question what his intent is? Mm. And if he, if he has something beyond where my family is right now, then he's gonna take care of that. Amen. But I haven't seen it yet. I have a, I'm gonna take the liberty to ask kind of a, a difficult question. We're almost out of time, it's gone by so quick. Huh. But, um, would you say that in many respects what you've gone through with Rachel and in your life, it's, it's been hell? Yeah. Yeah. I would. And 
but through that hell, you've come out closer to him on the other side. Yes. So, Ken, would you uh, go so far as to allow me to suggest that maybe he's constantly going to be doing this with all of us, whether here or there, to bring us around to a better uh, side? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, something I've really come to terms with and, and, and talked to you a lot about is how it's God pursuing us. He is the one that is actually in control of our relationship. He pursues us, and I, for the amount of love that I have for people and for family and for, I wouldn't stop pursuing anyone I know mm. with that grace. Amen. Why would he? Amen. And I can't accept a God that has these circumstances in life that people will die in, and he's still not going to pursue them. Yeah. Uh, he created this population. He created this body. There's not one of us he doesn't want back. I'm no better than anybody else. Mm. And I don't see, uh, me and my dad do a lot of woodworking together. And we, mm. we do a lot with our hands and creating uh, projects and whatnot. Anything I've built with my dad, if someone was to grab that and throw it in the fire, I'd have words with them. There's nothing that God creates that he doesn't want to preserve and take care of. I just don't see this definition of God in this box that, nope, it's, it's here. It's got to be done. I'm sorry. It doesn't make sense. Mm. And it drives, me, it drives me away from him, not to him, to right. think of him that way. Right. And, that's, and that's the part I want, I, want my, I want my Christian friends to understand and their love for wanting to share with people like I said, I don't doubt the love's there and the intent's there. But when you're, when you're pushing so hard, you're, you're, gonna, push, you're gonna push us to reject mm. what, what we need to embrace so badly. Mm. We need this God to be stronger and bigger than what we've ever seen before in our lives. Amen. Don't take that away from me. That's a God that is to me is without bounds. Mm. Don't give bounds to the God that I've come to know. Mm. Don't give a definition to where his love ends. Because mm. that, that's not the good news to me, like I said. That's not the everlasting love that I've accepted God has. It's, it's, it's not the God that I listen to Jesus talk about. We're in our last minute. Uh, wow. I mean... What more can be said in terms of this God that we know and worship and love? And the things that Jason has brought, I knew he would bring things to the table that uh, if you reflect upon them, we're not talking about manly wisdom here. We're just talking about reasonable views of scripture and the God that we worship. And the things he's brought forward, I, I can't thank you enough. They're, they, they're gonna play such an important role in this body of interviews that we've been able to do, so blessed to do. And I thank you so much for your courage and your bravery. You're not a man who wants to be on stage, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, I know it took a lot for you to do this. I'm grateful for you and Rachel and uh, your love for each other. Uh, grateful to you as a man to, to see the dedication and respect you show to your wife. It's taught me as a man who uh, has learned a lot from you. And also your three just, I mean, they're like, Sprite, your children. They're, they're Sprite in a bottle. You open it and it just, wow. They're amazingly beautiful and bubbly. And uh, you're such a blessing to our lives here at campus when we get to see you. And, and just thank you so much, my brother, for being on the show. Thank you for being here. Love you. We'll see you next week. Steve Utley here on Heart of the Matter. I'm on the ride. Going nowhere I am an existential cowboy on the
Well, what a romantic. <laughs> <laughs>